our worship teams that lead us so wonderfully. I want to just take a couple of minutes before I share the message, and I want to ask you just to walk about 10 paces away from where you are and meet and greet somebody. You know, you know everybody sitting next to you, but go ahead and, you know, find somebody else and meet them, greet them, and encourage them in the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You know, this, this Daniel's fast has been very, very successful. It's been a blessing uh, in our individual lives and in the life of our church. And can you sense the difference in what God is doing in his presence, not only in your personal life, but even as you go from ministry meeting to ministry meeting, your teams, can you see the transitions that are taking place? When you begin to turn your face towards God and away from the things that we are so dependent and reliant upon, God takes note of that. Amen. And we thank God for what he's going to do in your life here at the Fountain of New Life. Wasn't that a powerful song that we just sang. Amen. Hallelujah. Who wrote, who wrote that? Who wrote that? Gerald. Gerald. Amen. Come on, Gerald. Stand up so we can just give you some recognition. Stand up, Gerald. Amen. Thank you so much. Wow. Wow. It's amazing what God does in the timing of things. Timing of things. Thank you so much, Gerald. We appreciate it. We really appreciate it, and we appreciate you. Amen. Amen. Gerald has been with the fountain for 12 years. He's been with us for 12 years. Amen. Amen. We thank God for you. Uh, 
yeah. Um, how many of you, how many of you, Daniel, Daniel fasting? How many of y'all, yeah, y'all? Hey, man, we have almost everybody. Now, if you have not been, this is the last week. Now, I've heard some very interesting things about the Daniel's fast. I've heard that some people can't do the Daniel's fast, that their doctors have told them that you've got to have some fried chicken and you've you, you, you got to have some biscuits and you have to drink some coffee and you have to eat some white sugar and you have to put some white flour in your system. That's, that's, what, that's, what, that's, what, I, that's what I heard from some people, that you can't, can't do a Daniel's fast. And you can't, you know. So if you can't do the Daniel's fast, find something. Find something that you can join in with us. Amen. It's the last week. And what we want to accomplish on this last week, we want to all be on one accord. Amen. As we go into this last week, we want to all be on one accord, all praying together, all seeking God together, all repenting of uh, our known sins together. And then we're going to come together on Friday and we're going to worship the Lord together in celebration on Friday at 7 o'clock right here on the campus as the fast is coming to an end. Amen? Amen. Uh, some of you I've heard have, been, have, have gotten reports from your doctor that your medical conditions are improving. Amen. Go ahead, somebody give the Lord a shout. Blood pressure has come down for some people. Some people's diabetes is being regulated better and blood sugars are coming down. Amen. That's a blessing, isn't it? Yes, and others are hearing the Lord's voice loud and clear, hearing God speak to them with a different clarity. I was in the grocery store the other day, and I was on the cereal aisle. I have a kind of a routine that I typically eat oatmeal in the morning. And so I was on the cereal aisle. I was buying some oatmeal, and there was a brother in in the store on the same aisle, he had two children with him. And so he had uh, a little girl, she looked to be around seven or eight years old, and there was a little boy who looked to be about two or three, and the little boy was sitting in the grocery cart. And so as the dad was trying to get items off the uh, aisles, off the shelves, and putting them in the cart, as fast as he could put them in the cart, the little boy would reach into the cart and throw them out on the floor. And then the dad would tell the little girl, who was uh, seven, eight years old, to pick up the things that her little, boy, little brother had thrown on the floor. And so I heard the dad, who I presume was the dad, say to the little boy, don't do that anymore. And so he'd go look for some more items and uh, he would take what the little girl had placed back in the cart. He'd throw them back on the floor again. And the dad warned him stir- sternly, if you do that again, you're going to have to pay for it. And so um, the, the little boy watched his dad walk away. And he um, still threw some more stuff on the, on the floor. And the little girl looked at me. And said, said, she said to me, now, if that had been me <laughs> throwing that stuff on the floor... He would have tore me up long time ago. <laughs> you know, I thought about that. And I said, you know, I can, re- I, I can relate as I had a flashback <laughs> on my own growing up experience. 
And, um, and I know there were some things, and sometimes I say, well, now, if that had been me, uh, they would have gotten me a long time ago. You know, um, we, we can relate to that, can't we? How many of you remember, some of you are too young, but back in 1992, how many of you remember um, two years later, I think, after that, the O.J. Verdict, O.J. Simpson verdict, when the, the day finally came when they announced the verdict, uh, regarding uh, the murders that had taken place in California. And I can still remember some of the expressions on some of the people's faces when they were in utter disbelief when the verdict came down that O.J. Simpson was found not guilty. Uh, utter shock. And you know, whether it's um, um, steroids in sports or corruption in politics, cheating in school, or if your direct TV goes out in the middle of your show. We believe that there should be repercussions and consequences when things don't go like they're supposed to go. And do you know what this little girl was really saying? What the people who had this uh, expression of disbelief on their face, you know what they were really saying? They were really saying that that's not fair. That's not right. And when uh, things don't go like we want them to go, uh, when someone has done something wrong and they don't get the punishment that we think that they ought to get, one of the expressions that comes out of our mouths is, that's not right. That's not fair. And most of us, if things are not right, and things are not fair, most of us find a way to let our opinions be known. As a matter of fact, there are many of us that will not allow anything that we define as unfair to go unaddressed by us us, if it happens in our presence. In other words, we're going to have to let somebody know that we don't think that what took place was right or unfair. Now, in the Bible, the Bible tells us in the story we're going to look at today that we are not alone in this feeling. We're not the only persons who have ever felt this way. There's a, a sense, uh, this sense of outrage and over the failures of the powers that be to handle their business is a theme that is addressed in the book of Jonah. So, if you'll turn in your Bible to the Old Testament book of Jonah, um, and turn to the fourth chapter, we're going to look at an episode in his life that deals with and that addresses this whole issue of it's not fair. Now, Jonah, just for a little uh, quick Bible study, Jonah was an Old Testament prophet, and Jonah was commanded by God to go and to preach to a city called Nineveh. And he was supposed to give Nineveh a specific message that unless they repented, and basically the message was, in 40 days, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. And they're going to be destroyed by God because of the wickedness that is in this city. Now, Jonah, when he got the message, and he heard, somebody say he heard. He heard God's voice clearly. 
go to Nineveh and preach this message. When he heard that, Jonah, instead of going to Nineveh, Jonah disobeyed God. Instead of going online and pulling up the website hotwire.com and purchasing a ticket to go to Nineveh, he buys a ticket instead to a place called Tarshish. And as he is on the boat, on the ship, traveling to Tarshish, God causes a violent storm to come up on the sea. And the storm puts everybody on the ship uh, in, in danger. Now, the passengers and the crew on the ship were in a state of panic. And so what Jonah does, he, he steps up to them. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do to survive and to keep everybody safe. And Jonah tells them, well, I believe God is upset with me. The reason this storm is in your life is because God is upset with me. And I can just pause there just for a minute and say sometimes our disobedience has an effect on somebody else's life. Somebody say amen. Amen. In other words, your disobedience doesn't just affect you, but your disobedience can also cause repercussions and problems and storms in other people's lives. But Jonah was uh, honest enough to admit, he said, the reason that you're having this storm is not because of anything that you've done, but God is upset with me. And he says, the, the way to remedy this, he says, just throw me overboard and um, this storm will cease to be. And so the sailors couldn't believe that, but Listen, when you're getting ready to die and it's either your life or their life and a recommendation comes up, throw me overboard. Well, that's what they did. They threw him overboard and the storm ceased. And then God, the Bible says that God then prepared a large fish for Jonah and the fish swallowed Jonah. And it says that Jonah stayed in the stomach of the fish for three days and for three nights. And while Jonah was in the stomach of the fish, it says that jo Jonah had a change of mind. Well, a little um, fishy gastric acid and, and, uh, uh, will cause you to change your mind. Am I right about that? I mean, what, what blessing cannot do sometimes, suffering will. Sometimes blessing will not allow us to do what we know to be right. But it's amazing how suffering can cause us, somebody needs to say amen, how suffering sometimes can cause us to change our minds. And so Jonah is there in the stomach of the whale. And while in the stomach of the whale, Jonah prays to God. He says, God, I know I've messed up big time. But listen to this prayer because you, some of you have heard a prayer like this. But if you get me out of this mess, God, if you deliver me from this one, God, if you save me this time, I know I got a bad track record. I know I intentionally and willfully, I knew what I was doing when I did it. But God, if you will get me out of this one, I promise I will serve you and I'll obey you the rest of my days. 
You ever heard anybody pray a prayer like that? You ever known anybody who's been in such a fix and said, God, if you just work it out for me this one time, I won't even ask you for nothing else anymore. Just get me out of this one. And so, you know, God did it. God gave um, the fish an upset stomach and he vomited, spewed Jonah out on the beach. Jonah goes home, gets a shower, changes clothes, leaves the house and goes straight to Nineveh. God tells him the second time, go to Nineveh. This time he obeys and he preaches this message in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. Oh, but, but wait, 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 wait. I forgot to tell you. I forgot to tell you why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. See, he had a reason why. He wasn't just being disobedient just to be uh, disobedient. There was a reason, in which Jonah thought was a justifiable reason, why he felt like he felt, why he was doing the things that he was doing. See, Nineveh was the capital of a place called Assyria. And Assyria had traveled to Israel and it had invaded Israel. And it had taken most and the best and the brightest of all of Israel's population captive and deported them to, back to um, Assyria. Now, the thing is about the Ninevites, they didn't just come in and tell you, you know, we're getting ready to take you captive. They were the most brutal. Uh, they, they were the, the, the most heinous. In other words, when they came through, they wanted to make sure you got the message. They would kill anything in their way in the most brutal and the most heinous way. And see, Nineveh, and so Nineveh now, Nineveh is the major city in the world. It's larger than Babylon. It's powerful, it's dominant, and it has exported the best of their people. And Jonah was one of the persons that survived it all. He saw it all happen. He saw the bloodshed, he saw the pillaging, he saw the loss of life, and he survived it. And listen, if anybody comes in and messes with your people, destroys your home, your family, your community, and you survive it, Usually, you don't have very good feelings. I wish I had somebody understood what I'm talking about. You don't have very good feelings about the perpetrators of this atrocity. So, here is Jonah. Jonah went to Nineveh. He obeyed God, and he preached the message. But he preached with anger in his heart. He was hoping, while he was preaching, he was hoping that God would punish the people who he was preaching God's message to. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. There are a lot of people who talk God's word to other people who in their hearts, they're hoping that God will knock them out, that God would somehow get them. Am I, am I speaking Greek or uh, some, somebody understand what I'm, in other words, there are a lot of people, even though they are speaking the words of God, as a matter of fact, sometimes they'll slip a note in your uh, lunch bag, hoping that God will get you. 
Some people will tell you, I'm praying for you, but in their heart, they're hoping that God will somehow get you back. In other words, he was upset because God had withheld his judgment and extended his mercy. And though, look at what happened. He preached this message and the wrong thing happened. The wrong thing happened. He preached and it didn't happen like he was hoping it was going to happen. He preached the word of God from his lips, but he had anger, bitterness, and vengeance in his heart. And he was hoping that what was happening in his heart would veto what God was prone to do from his heart. Are you all following me? And what happened was the people did what Jonah didn't expect them to do. The king of Nineveh called a fast. And he says, wait a minute, we've done wrong. And it says they fasted and repented and God saw them turn towards him. And instead of God destroying them, Bible says the city repented, God relented, and Jonah became enraged. And so let's listen to the rest of the story here in chapter 4. It said Jonah was greatly displeased. Isn't it something we ask God to answer our prayers? And I know you're praying to hear God's voice and to know his will, but sometimes what God does is not what we're expecting. And it says he was greatly displeased and became angry. And he prayed to the Lord, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. And now, Lord, take my life for it is better for me to die. But the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? Let's look at our worksheets quickly, and we're going to see if we can make some sense of what's going on here in this text. First of all, we see that Jonah is a very angry person. You're a very angry person. You are a very angry person. Jonah is not the only one that's angry. There's somebody in here who, what's wrong with you? is deep-seated, unaddressed, buck-wild anger. The reason you act the way you do and do the things you do and treat people the way you do. The reason you can bless with one word and curse with another word is because of anger. And there are times when your anger over things that have occurred in the past because it's impossible to have anger about what might happen in the future. Our anger is always rooted in something that has already taken place. And because you are still in the same place that the event took place, amen, you then uh, exact your anger on those who really have nothing to do with what took place. And here's what, but let me tell you what happens in your life. 
As you're praying during the Daniel's fast and seeking God's voice, sometimes you can't hear God because your anger drowns out his voice. And sometimes God is trying to speak to you, but you can't hear him because the sound of the anger and the fury in your heart is louder than the voice of God. And when you don't address your anger, when you don't allow God through the power of his Holy Spirit to remove it from your life, it will always dominate who you are and what you do. Number two, uh, I was afraid of that. That's what, that's what Jonah said. Jonah said, I was afraid of that. I was, it, it, this, now, look, he was preaching the message from God, hoping that God would destroy the people. In, in other words, he's warning them and hoping that they would get the the brunt of the, of, the, of the vengeance and anger of God. And, and, but, then, but, but, then, but then deep down inside, you know, uh, he, he said, I knew, look, look, look at what he says. He said, I knew you are a gracious God. In other words, he said, I knew I wasn't going to have it my way. He said, you're a compassionate God and you're slow to anger and abounding in love, one who relents and sends calamity. Now, listen, I want to give you some quick points here. Yeah. You cannot serve God while wishing the worst on somebody else. Now, you can look like you're serving God. You can uh, act like you're serving God. You can participate in the things of God. But the truth is, if you're wishing harm and ill on someone else, you're not serving God. You're serving yourself. You are making yourself think that you're doing what God is pleased with when there are things in your life that God is not pleased with. In other words, it's important for us to try to first get ourselves right with particularly those things in our heart. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you can't serve God when you're wishing ill on somebody else. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let, let, me, let, me see if I can, let me see if I can illustrate this. I need somebody who's in real good, I a, a kind of a big, strong person, you know, yeah, big, strong person to come. Yeah. And then I need, um, yeah, well, let's see. Let's see. Nobody's big and strong? All right, Sheldon, come on. All right, yeah, come on, Sheldon. Then I need, um, I need, I need sort of like a, a regular person. Sheldon's extraordinary. He's, look at him, boy, handsome, well-built, muscular. Oh, God. Got a 32-inch waist, man. All right. Now, yeah, I need, I need, I need just, um, you know, let's see. Nobody's going to come. I'm going to have to pick me somebody. Uh, okay. Uh, Kevin Moore, come here for a minute. Come here, come here, Kev. Come here, Kev. Come here, Kev. And, and then I need, um, I need, uh, I need, uh, I need, I need a young, young man in the black T-shirt. You come help me out? All right. All right. All right. You, you all step up here so they can see you. They can see you. Now, I need my stuff. If, please, 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 please. All right. Now, here's what we got. Thank you. Everybody gets a, hold, hold on a second. Let me see. Everybody gets a bag. be your bag. Don't look in it, though. Snake in it. Okay. Let's see. 
It's your bag. All right? And this is your bag. All right. Now, this person is the person who is the enforcer. This is the enforcer. This is the person <coughs> who has committed the infraction. All right? In other words, we're going to just tell you, Kev, if you didn't know, use a center. <laughs> All right? All right, you're the center. And this is the person who is also an enforcer. You have two enforcers and one center. Now, I want to tell both of you enforcers, the center has not done right. As a matter of fact, he's been told to do some things. What's your name? DeMonte? DeMonte, he's been told to clean his room. And he's been told to do his chores. And he's been told to do his homework. And he's been told to turn the television off and to take care of his responsibilities. But you know what he kept doing? It, things in, his, in your bag. Pull out some of the things in your bag. What you got in your bag? <laughs> he kept watching TV. All right? What, what else you got? Oh, he kept playing on his... His iPad and his digital devices, Kindle. And what else you have in there? Oh, oh, he kept sending pictures on Instagram and uh, tweeting and texting. Even though he was told to do what? Do it someone, someone give me another, a mic. Someone give me a mic, please. Harvey's mic. Okay. Thank you. He was told to do what? Homework, chores, clean his room. And he didn't do it? No. Can you relate to that? Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you all know how you push that bike away from <laughs> All right. Now, normally, <laughs> yeah. normally what happens is when a person doesn't do what they're supposed to do. Now, let me, let me tell you what's happened. The last time, I want you to imagine this with me, right? You were told to do your homework, wa stop watching television, and do everything you're supposed to do, and you didn't do it. Did anything happen? They, they, they tell me to tell Well, that actually, if I did my homework, and then they'll tell me to show it to them. They tell you to show it to them? But if you don't do what you're supposed to do, what happens? I get grounded. You get grounded. They don't give you no whippings, do they? <laughs> this is one terrible generation, isn't it? I want to know. Somebody, somebody answer this question for me. Where did all the whippings go? <laughs> yeah, well, come on. You ain't pass no whippings down to this generation. Well, okay, enforcer, you can't use what's in it. Show them what's in the, show them what's in your bag. 
Now I want to ask y'all a question. He hasn't done what he's supposed to do. What y'all, what, what do y'all say? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Tell me, what he hasn't done, he didn't turn the television off, he didn't do his homework. Uh, he, he, as a matter of fact, when he thought they weren't listening, he went back, started watching the DVD. He te- what, what y'all think, what should we do? Whip him, whip him, all right, turn around. Put your hands up there on the pulpit. Come on, come on, come, come, come on, come on, come on, man. Put, uh, put, come on, come on, like this, like this. <laughs> now, in my world, when I grew up, it didn't matter. By the time, now, if he hadn't had his hands on there by now, <laughs> action would already started, right? All right, so give us a little action in for us. There you go. Come on. <laughs> Everything got weak, man. Everything's weak now. <laughs> you know, this is not right. No, because the whipping thing is supposed to be, he is supposed to at least come up off, he's supposed to levitate at least one time. I mean, it ain't no such thing as a good whipping with all your feet still on the floor. I mean, if you're getting a good, I mean, if you really, really deserve it, you got to defy gravity somewhere in that. Ex- Am I right? First time I ever dunked a basketball was right in the middle of a whipping. <laughs> All right. All right, this didn't work. All right, he got his whipping, right? That's one way to deal with it. But here, you know what it means. You know what it means to have done wrong and deserve punishment, right? And so, wait, there's another alternative. There's always another alternative when somebody has done wrong. You can either give the person what they deserve or you could give the person what they don't deserve. And so what do you have in your bag? So he can stay on the Daniels fast. (laughs) You give him what he doesn't deserve. Now, um, now I want you to, what else you got? All right, don't give him that. (laughs) All right, but y'all get the point? That there's always two options. Many times what we're hoping unfortunately, is that this is the only option. But God is saying to us, I actually have two options. Now, let's see if we can finish that. Okay, y'all want the bananas? Y'all can split them up. All right, God bless you. Y'all give them a hand. Thank you. You can give the bags to uh, Tim. Let's, let's, finish this. Let's, let's, let's finish this up. So, sometimes the reason you feel the way you feel You're justified in feeling that way. But God wants us to learn to move beyond the one option position. That the only thing that we can choose is to see someone else's life hurt. 
Last point. Jonah says, please abort now. Lord, take my life away, for it is better for me to die than to live. I want you to notice this real carefully. Jonah is upset because the people were not destroyed. And so Jonah says to God, God, kill me because I can't live knowing that the person who hurt me is being blessed. Jonah is quitting because he cannot deal with the fact that someone who is guilty is receiving the blessing from God. And so he doesn't go when the city when the city repents, he does not go and celebrate with the newly redeemed. He doesn't give God thanks and praise that there are new people that are a part of the community of God. He tells God to take his life. Now, I want you to notice something about this. Remember, he initially wants God to destroy the Ninevites. You remember that? That's what he wants. Since this does not happen, he asks God to destroy his life. Okay, God. If you're not going to destroy the Ninevites, you're not going to kill them. If you're going to bless them, I would then prefer that you take me, kill me. Now, pay close attention to this. You cannot wish something bad on somebody else without wishing it on yourself. In other words, according to what's in our heart, you may look like you're directing it towards somebody else, but you're actually directing it to yourself. In other words, if I pray for your destruction, if I pray for your pain, I'm also praying for my own destruction at the same time. And so God says to him, Jonah, do you have any right to be angry? And so God uh, uh, said, Jonah, listen, you're mad at the Ninevites. Look, you're mad at the Ninevites. You're mad at me because I'm not mad at the Ninevites, but I'm not mad at you. Now, you read the rest of the chapter, and you're going to understand, you're going to see that God says, Jonah, I understand why you want the Ninevites destroyed. I saw what the Ninevites did. I know what happened back home. I know you think they don't deserve it, and they don't. But he says, Jonah, do you remember when you were in the belly of that fish? Say, Jonah, do you remember when you, not accidentally, but intentionally disobeyed me? You remember when you heard my voice, you weren't mistaken as to who was speaking. You knew it was me. You knew it was what I wanted from you. Do you remember when you had clarity and yet you did contrary to the clarity that you have? He he said, do you remember when you were rebellious and in all of your disobedience, do you know that I never set out to destroy you? He said, everything that I did, this is what he's telling Jonah, everything I did for you, Jonah, everything I've ever done in your life was an act of grace. He said, well, you purchased that ticket to go to Tarshish. He said, I saw you purchase that ticket. 
He said, but I didn't interrupt it. I didn't stop you from doing that. That was an act of grace. He said, when you were on the ship, he said, I I could have terminated everything on the ship. He said, but I did not. That was an act of grace. He said, you know, when the sailors threw you overboard, he said, those sailors could have gotten rid of you. They could have killed you while you were on board. But when they threw you overboard, who do you think? Who do you think put that kind of thought in their head to go along with that? That was an act of grace. When the fish swallowed you, where do you think that fish came from? There are not a lot of fishes, Jonah, that you can stay in their belly for three days and three nights and you not get hurt, you not get harmed. You get vomited on the land and you survive. What kind of, that's no regular fish. I created that fish for you. Uh, That was not an act of punishment. That was an act of grace. So you survived it. It didn't kill you. That was an act of grace. So a whole lot of us sitting here things that should have taken us out. We shouldn't be here. But God kept us. You survived the vomit. An act of grace. And then, after you cleaned yourself up, Got back right again, got your respect back, got your dignity, got your reputation back. I came back to you and asked you to go preach again. You know, some say people not like that. Say most people, if they ask you to do something and you don't do it, most people won't come back to you, Jonah, and ask you to do it again. He said, but even when you told me no the first time, turn your back on me, uh, bought a ticket to go the opposite direction. When you got yourself together, I came right back to you. I didn't change my mind about you. And I asked you, go preach for me, Jonah. You know what that was, Jonah? That was an act of grace. And he said, Jonah, he said, Jonah, you of all people, He said, if there's anything you should know about Jonah, you of all people should know about grace. He said, because your life has been one act of grace following the other act of grace, following another act of grace. And when you preach for me, me, one thing you should be able to do is to preach and talk about me from a perspective of my grace. He said, you're mad at the Ninevites. You're mad at me, but I'm not mad at you. He said, when you ran, when I was calling, I didn't get mad at you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to try to teach you another lesson, Jonah. Not by punishing you. Not by giving you what you deserve. But I'm going to show you some more grace. And you know what God often does in our life? Sometimes his goodness is worse punishment than his punishment. I wish I had had somebody who would understand what I'm talking about. Sometimes when I think about the goodness of Jesus and I compare my life to his goodness, sometimes God is so good that it makes me feel bad. I wish I had somebody understand. In other words, when I think about how good God is. And when I think about what I've done and how I don't deserve, sometimes I have to shake my head. Sometimes I'm crying, not because I'm sad, but because when I look at myself compared to how God is blessing me, 
You see, sometimes God doesn't get you by tearing you down. Sometimes he just keeps on blessing you and keeps on blessing you and keeps on blessing you because the Paul says the goodness of God will bring us to repentance. Yeah. We say, why? Why is God being so good to me? I'm just messing up and I can't get myself together. Why is God being so good? Because he's gambling on the fact that he believes that his grace will bring you into a deeper relationship with him. 